sit back and relax while you listen to the Train Kickers podcast. I'm Dave, and along with my co-hosts Stan and Steve, we're going to take you all around the world to miniature wargaming. On tonight's episode, we have a friend of the show, Sean, on to discuss running events. We go over the ins and outs, as well, importantly, the do's and don'ts of running hobby and community-focused building events. Uh, the intent is to help anyone looking to host community builders and to get some actionable items out of this. Um, also at the top, I just want to quickly say for anyone listening on whatever podcatcher you like to, or if you're watching on YouTube, to please consider giving us reviews or subscribing. Uh, we've been really pleased with how things have been growing, but we know those are the two things that really help get us noticed and get the word out. And now, on to the show. All right, how are you on this fine uh, Monday evening here, gentlemen? I am... Uh... I'm good. We just got back to school after spring break. Uh, no one wanted to be back, and tomorrow's state testing. That's so why I they dare say we are. <laughs> I dare say we are as angry and as tired and as pissed off as as the entire district can be. So it's great. It's great. I love it. <laughs> what I, What I find out about that. So I mean, we had our, our our spring break was a few weeks back, and I always tell my students like. Oh, it's spring break. You guys aren't going to do work during spring break. I'm not going to do work during spring break. So I'm not going to give you like a test as soon as you come back. Like that's cruel. Meanwhile, your state testing is two days or the day after they come back. Like that, that feels like it's a setup for, for poorer scores. State, state testing that, you know, teachers get evaluated on based, you know, they, if the students do badly, that means that we are bad teachers. Of course, of course. That that's, of course. Yeah. That's, it's always that. That's how it works. Oh my god! And Steve, how are you doing? <laughs> doing all right. Um, I took a little power nap there to catch up on sleep because I definitely did not get enough this weekend. 40k team tournament. Woo! Go team Blue Steel. I mean, it was a good time. It was just a lot of 40k for any given 72-hour period. Hmm. And uh, how about you, Sean? How are you doing? Oh, it's pretty good. Uh, this is actually my weekend. Gonna spend a lot of time running around with the kids and, uh, you know, just generally trying to get as much enjoyment as possible out of that 48 hours. Managed to even uh, build and paint some Zone Mortalis terrain. Nice. nice. Uh, for everyone who does not know, Sean is a member of a local community who's run a couple 30k events for us. Um, the first one that I went to was his Battle of Prospero event up at Kerwan's Game Store, and it was an absolute blast. And more recently, he ran a um, Istvan 3 event. 3? No, Istvan 5 event. My apologies. Yes, Istvan um, 5. Istvan 5 event down at Mythicos Studios in Mawa. And this coming weekend, um, possibly earlier than the future weekend for anyone listening, this will um, release by Friday. Another Zomort. Yeah, have a Zomort Talis event going on up at Toywiz in Nanuet. So that'll yeah, be. Yeah, the. Uh, oh, the what's the, the actual date story. of that? Oh, that would be on the 30th. 30th. Got it. Uh, hopefully, we'll have everybody in there ready to roll dice around noon. But, uh, well, you know how nerds are. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I know a guy who listens to this podcast who might show up half an hour late because getting his hair done. There's a reason we call him Pretty Lou. <laughs> he sounds like a fancy man, though. Lou is absolutely going to be getting his hair done before the event. <laughs> so, look, if you're going to kill someone, you should look your best. It's a very important day in their life. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. So, so, so my only question about that is, th- does the hair look good? I mean, 
Yeah, oh, no, no okay. he's always fantastic. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay. So it's going to a good cause then. Oh yeah, no, oh, no, definitely. he looks fantastic well at all times. Dressed, time. well groomed. Yeah, it's just fun to bust his balls a little. Oh man. All right, so why don't we? Um, so Dave. Yeah, but we'll, yeah. we'll 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 do something else for a quick second since this is Sean's yeah. first time on the podcast. So, um, do you want to give us like a little bit of just maybe hobby background? How long you've been in the hobby? When did you get started? Just something, you know, like that. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> so I got into uh, nerdery at seven years old when I found a Magic the Gathering booklet on the floor of my school bus and hunted for a couple of months till I found a store that sold uh, Magic cards because, you know, they actually used to have stories in there about, like, Bob casting Lightning Bolt at Susan. And it sounded super cool. I remember that story. Uh, and there in the store was um, second edition Warhammer 40K. And they were just coming out with fifth edition Warhammer Fantasy a couple years later. And both of those immediately caught my interest. Uh, 40K at the time also had fancy pamphlets with a short story, an example army list, and background fluff for all of the different factions at the time. I still have some of those. Um, anyway, uh, I was hooked. I love dinosaurs, so I got into Lizardmen. I really enjoyed the fluff for the Eldar, so I jumped into those. And... Uh, 24 years later I'm still collecting Eldar and I still have a bunch of square based lizards sitting around but uh, in the meantime I've done everything from Starfleet battles and Battletech to War Machine um, I like games that have a good bit of crunch to them but I've found over the years that the most important part of any game is actually the community around you you can have the most fun game in the world and playing against a bunch of dicks means you're not going to have a good time. You can have a real bear of a game and find a good way to laugh about it with some good friends. What uh, what games do you currently play? Like what What's in your active roster? Um, well, I uh, am actually in a Age of Sigmar Path to Glory campaign because nice. I convinced a bunch of the local guys to play Horus Heresy with me. And a lot of them actually played Age of Sigmar, so it was kind of a, a tit-for-tat setup. Um, Heresy has definitely been my main thing. I uh, I try to give every edition of 40k a good try, but 8th and 9th haven't really caught my interest. And uh, Battletech is a once-in-a-while for me. Battletech's a once-in-a-while for most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone keeps coming back to it. <laughs> Just for a little bit. Um, taste. Now, as far as recent painting projects, I uh, recently finished up an Adeptus Titanicus maniple and uh, was one of a couple of people to get a game in. What was that, two weeks ago? Um, yeah, about two weeks ago. Two, oh my god. Wow, it was. Um, I just finished the last model for a Dystopian Wars fleet that will now go into a box and never be seen again. What uh, what army? Uh, yeah. Danes. I've got okay. about five thousand points of uh, Denmark. Oh, wow, I got a. I so got I'm gonna, yeah, I think I'm gonna, but... 
I don't touch them. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think I ever talk told I ever told you this, Shay, but me and Dave were actually vanguards for Spartan back in the day. Yeah, we were. Yeah. We each had two um, Firestorm fleets. I you, we both had dystopian fleets. You actually Dan actually picked up the uh Halo miniatures as well. Yes, you I had did. some of those. Yes, I did. I was um, not that anyone ever talks about it anymore, but I want to. I want to say it was maybe. I could be wrong on the time frame. Two, three weeks ago, um, I was uh, watching Angry Joe Show's uh, Twitch channel, and they were doing uh, Halo Fleet battles. They're actually playing that, no, and I was like, "Oh, no. it charges up some memories." Wait, wait, wait! From like years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that one? Yeah, the, the old defunct one. Yeah. Oh, 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 but this wasn't like a recent video. This was no, like no a video this from video. Was, no, they played it like literally two weeks ago. He does. What? I, I don't remember what which day of the week it is. It's either like probably a Tuesday or a Thursday. Hold on. But he does um, like a miniature because he does miniature war games and stuff like that. Like the, he um, they're the ones who did the Street Fighter uh, sort of board game. I, I guess it's technically a board game or fighting game, whatever you call it. They're the ones who actually who did that. But yeah, so they'll do miniatures games. So they happen to randomly choose that game. I don't know why. Um, 40K is one of the ones they've been doing more recently. They've been getting into that. But yeah, who they just did that on random. I'm trying to find them right now. I mean, that's Every actually show. really, it's really cool that they're doing that. Like just a random peek at history. Yeah. Because I remember watching it for a bit. I was like, oh, is that what they're talking about? I looked at it. I was like, yeah, okay. That's, that's what they're looking at. Um, I don't know if they've always had it or if someone sent it to them or what, but because I, I didn't get a chance to watch it for too long. But, huh? Yeah. But, all right, sounds good. So why don't we uh, we'll move on to a bit of hobby? And I think Dan, b- before I made sure we did some intros there, was going to ask me about the hobby that I've been doing. It's the same hobby I'm doing right now, which is working on flayed ones. So for anyone who is not aware. And depending on the army you play, you need to be aware of this, is Games Workshop, they did this, I want to say it was last year in the UK. Um, It might have even been before that, or started a little bit before that, but it's just coming out now in the US. And it's their Imperium magazine. So this is a non-hobby store magazine. You can find it at like Barnes and Nobles or or any sort of large bookstore style resellers like that, or even like a Walmart probably. I know in some spots people can find them there, but apparently one of the more common spots is Barnes and Noble. And what's nice about this, um, so the whole purpose of the magazine is you're supposed, uh, theoretically the person subscribes to it. There's, I want to say it's like 80 issues across the thing. And each issue is meant to introduce you to things in terms of 40K. So it gives you either with that issue, um, it, it's not like a bound book. It's essentially pages kind of stuck together. But it has you know a bit of fluff on a unit. has some rules about them. Tells you the assembly instructions if it gives you models. Gives you like a little scenario to play with those models. Oh, these guys have this cool rule. Here's something you haven't learned before. Here's what the rule is. Here's how it works. Why don't you use it now in this thing? But what's nice about it, so the magazine itself is, US is about 14, 14 bucks. Um, but it comes with either a, it, it comes with either a single sprue of something, or it'll come with, say, some paints or anything like that. Um, you can actually look it up. I know... 
I know Goonhammer as well as like Fauxhammer, all of those guys have actually shown the things that we do currently know and went through it, but they come out with Spruce of Different products. So it's mainly Space Marines are on there, Sisters of Battles, uh, Adeptus Mechanicus, Necrons, and then some Terrain. So the one I just picked up, it was, I want to say, issue 16. And it's five flayed ones on the issue. So whatever they give you is what they could fit on one sprue. So it's the same sprue you buy out of the box for flayed ones. The difference is the flayed one box is 50. This was 14. So you can get over three times as many for the exact same price. Some of them come with like paints. Um, the idea is usually they give you models and then they give you some paints that will go well with those models and some brushes and all. Um, like the other option, the other one you can find right now, as we record this, like later part of April, one of them had a had a sprue of the five assault intercessors. Again, fourteen. Um, they've had, you know, different primaris captains and things like that. Um, I know later next month, so in about another week, there's there's essentially the magazine supposed to be weekly. They usually release it almost all at once per month, but there's about four episodes. There's supposed to be, sorry, four um, four issues a month. I think next month's has Immortals. So again, it's a sprue of five, where normally that's like a $50 box. So it's $14. Bucks. Um, some of the characters, $30, $40 characters, $14. Bucks. So if you're someone collecting some of those armies, it is absolutely worth keeping an eye on. And maybe going out to some of these local stores to see if they are carrying it or if they have it currently. They're around issue 17, I think, I want to say right now, is the current one. Um, but So I picked that up so I was able to get 25 flayed ones for under the cost of like, for honestly, like the cost of like seven. Seven or maybe ten of them. So I've just been working on these... Uh, these guys i got a lot of my other necrons done and that's where i am right now i'm trying to look up to see what's coming up next the next issue is the technomancer cryptech that should be out next month um munition uh sorry mutarium armored containers are the same month then some paints i wouldn't do it for the paints i wouldn't trust that they're not dry shit um and then they're actually doing some Skatari Rangers is the issue after it. So five Skatari Rangers and all. So some things are better deals than others, but some of them are expensive sprues for near nothing, honestly. So that's what I've been doing. I've been cruising out, random we'll shops. Point out, <laughs> we'll point out after seeing uh, Dave's Necrons, they actually look really good. I love the way he did that. Yeah, they're I got to post them up spots. Well, what, they look really, I, really nice. I, I, I like... I did not want to do metal. So I, I will post these up in spots so people can find them. But I didn't want to do metal because that's just, that bores me. Especially on these. That's far too common. So I did a bluish gray with a, a a sort of off-white dry brush to it. And then I'm doing uh, non-metallic metal style oranges on weapons. Which takes forever to paint. But I do like the way it comes out. And then just doing a snow base with that same sort of off-white gray. And then I have the AK Scenix snow. Um, they were out of their uh, bobbles or whatever they call it. So I, I do have the ones from Gale Force 9 to put over the top to actually give it a little bit more of a snow look rather than that sort of flat look. 
but there'll be more there'll be more hopefully done this friday for gaming with we'll see we'll see how far i get done with all these guys but i'm, I'm not gonna be doing more <laughs> no because you left your hobby knife at the shop i left, I left my glue glue oh hobby sorry glue fine. glue glue yeah that's it either way i'm so mad it's so mad go tomorrow and get your glue after those kids are done testing have, have like eight bottles of glue lying around your house like you buy one you get where you left it oh, i'll think about another one before, glued 120 I blood letters 100 and motherfucking 20 blood letters a hundred and self-inflicted pain, sir. That is true. You chose this on yourself. That's more of a Slanesh move than a corn move. Instead of being sad you don't have your glue, you could be huffing paint and painting those blood letters. You, 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 know, you know, um acrylic paints are technically plastic, right? Um you could assemble your models with acrylic paint. Just slap it on, hold it together, and pray for the best. Oh my god. It would last for at least two hours. <laughs> so, speaking of hobbies... Yeah, tell, um, us of, tell us of your blood letter woes. Yeah, no, okay. So, no, I started my demon army, finally. After saying I'd started for so long. Yeah. I'm leaving the dragon for the end, though. Because I'm just going to look it in the case, and it's going to be pretty in the case for a while. Um, and I'll do it when I do it. No, so I started painting... Uh, so, very much like Sean's running the uh, ZM event... I was already bringing uh, two armies to it. I was bringing my Mechanicum and my Custodes. I was bringing traitors and loyalists, depending on who shows up, because sometimes there's more loyalists, so you need a traitor, and sometimes there's more traitors, so you need a loyalist. So I like to play both sides as a just-in-case someone needs more side. Um, but I was also like, you know what, let me bring a third loner army, and this kind of gave me the, the willpower to paint, um, you know, 1250 points, right? Yeah, 1250 points. Uh, for the Zone Brutalis event. And so I painted, uh, what was it, 50 blood letters, which are basically uh, lesser demons in 30k. I painted six brutes, which are brutes. That's what they are. <laughs> brutes are brutes. Um, and then I painted a demon prince because, sadly, in Zone Mortalis, there's a base limit. Um, and demons only have one hero that fits in that limit. That's a 32 mil base. Because every other character, I think there's only, I think, actually, I think there's only four things that fit in ZM from the demons list. Because everything else is 130 millimeters or larger as a base size. Um, and so uh, I was, I had, because we're doing Mornival, which is a type of rule set, I think it was made in Australia. Sean can correct me on that one. Um, it was the Aussies that made Mornival. Um, yes, yeah, they're the uh, big Australian group, though there's yeah, a okay. couple other creators from there. But yeah, no, so we're using one of all rules, which allows custom characters. So I talked about it with Sean, and so I was able to fit my uh, Demon Prince, because he's on a 60 mil base, essentially. And I, uh, I I made a Morn of all Demon character for him. So it's essentially six brutes, or uh, two sets of three brutes, I think 40 or 50 blood letters. I can't, uh, no, it's 12, 12, 10. So uh, 34, 34 blood letters, although I painted 50, I don't know why. Um, and uh, a demon prince. And they, I think they came out nice. I honestly love the way they look because I try to copy. Um, so I hate the way GW does corn demons. And this is probably going to get me a lot of flack, I think. I kind of hate so. the way. I don't like how bright red they are. They look goofy red to me. Okay. Um which is fine for some things like orcs being goofy green fine but these are supposed to be like demons like fucking out of your nightmare 
crazy congealed coming out of congealed blood kind of nonsense weeping sores in reality um demons and so that kind of goofy looking blood letter red never sat well with me and i remember in heresy specifically the forge world brutes the way that gw painted them was exceptionally like a dark dark red with like blended blues and blended blacks um and I fell in love with that color scheme, and it looks amazingly like corn. So I just kind of copied it, to be quite honest, um, to an extent, to an extent. But that darkish red-blue is, is something I was looking for. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely just kind of copied it, and uh, that's what I came up with. There's nothing and So they're kind of looking... Yeah, no, no. And it was actually kind of cool because there was a YouTube video of the guy who does the blending for the red into the black. Because I didn't do the, so what I did was I instead of doing a red and black body, I just did a red body. I, I think I used um, oh crap, uh, flesh paint, right? terror is red. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that was the other thing. Yeah, the whole army is ninety eight percent contrast paint. I finished like in four days. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, it's it's blood. It's flesh terror is red. The horns, while it was still wet, I did black templars black on the horns, and then I dry brushed black where the horns were to kind of blend it into the body. Um, I used black and then Tamiya red on the swords to give it this weird kind of uh, visceral gore look. And honestly, that was it. They came, and yeah, they just kind of really dark red, like very scary look. They they look very scary compared to the one the way they look in the web page. And I'm just happy they came out that way. Yeah. Nice. All right. How about uh? How about you, Steve? Have you been up to anything? Yes. Um, so, like I mentioned earlier, I went to a team tournament this weekend, and because it's a team tournament, I have to actually kind of try at least a little bit to win my games. Um, so I did have to be the bad person that brought a Crusher Stampede army for my team. Last hurrah. Um, exactly, exactly. Um, in my hands, it's not overpowered, I can tell you that much. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I did do some weird stuff that I thought was like, you know what? Let me do this weird thing because no one else will be doing this. And I'm going to make someone go, wait, what? I'm so confused. Um, so I brought a Turbagon into the list to spawn 10 Turbagons into the list. So I'd be like, hey, look, I have five up invulnerable save Gaunts. Isn't that amazing? They're not even objective secured. People are like, what the fuck? But um, in my round four game, I fought against the top chaos player at the event. Who had this Thousand Suns list? The dude's a great dude, super chill. But oh my god, that list gets I think twenty six cabal points to spend. Um, whatever psychic powers he wants, he more or less gets. Essentially, is the way the army works. But um, like he made the mistake of killing nine out of ten termagants. So the next turn, I had a full ten gaunts again. I just sat them on objective. Like okay, I have an objective, and you're not going to dedicate the resources to, to pull my models off of it. That said, the rest of my army didn't really hold up to, like, 80,000 smites a turn. So, don't know if it was worth it. <laughs> but it was fun. Um, anyone who knows my army, has, if you've seen it once, you will always immediately know I'm at an event because it's a very distinct army. It is an armor cast-based, slash second edition-based, tiered army. So I have the, the, uh, the Malefactor as the um, Turvagon. I have the you know I have the horror spec as an exocrine and adept at home because those are not nearly as points effective as scythe hero duels. So I borrow some scythe hero duels 
My army was not a unified color scheme, and it made me very sad. <laughs> but hey, I won one of my games. How many How many rounds was it? Uh, five rounds total. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a really fun time. I went. It was at the Palisades Mall. I haven't been there since I want to say Christmas 2013, and before that, it was Conflict GT in 2012, back in fifth edition 40k. Good times, good times. But um, yeah. No, had a lot of fun. Every round was, in one way or another, either I learned something or I laughed about something. So I think that's, you know, a good sign for an overall, you know, satisfaction level of the event. Um, Yeah, BFS, they run a good show. Nice. All right. Um, how about oh, you, yeah, Sean? So Have you been up to anything? I had to Cut. Get... Sorry. Yep. Well, I have been waffling... A lot about uh, the creation of some demo armies for Heresy, um, simply because I have so many armies for Heresy, and adding more of them for the sake of teaching other people how to play the game kind of feels like a step in the wrong direction. So instead of uh, allowing indecisiveness to rule my day, I have painted up about Let's see here, they're on the shelf right there. Uh, a dozen Titans and a few Knights for uh, Adeptus Titanicus. Um, and that's been kind of scratching the hobby itch. Um, otherwise, there's been a lot of, like I mentioned earlier, Zone Mortalis terrain. I've been kind of, again, I have a problem with uh, determining colors sometimes. My mind goes to, well, what color would it be? And in a lot of cases, the answer is, well, whatever was convenient for them at the time, given the local resources available, which doesn't actually help in a science fiction or fantasy setting where God only knows what that could be. And so I end up spinning like a hamster on a treadmill for a while. But uh, this event that's coming up really kind of kicked my butt into gear and said, you know, we're, we're just going to figure it out and we're just going to go with uh, red doors and gray and or metallic walls kind of did some fades in and out with that uh, and I purposely made the uh, hallway sections with the doors on them red topped as well so there's a visual cue when you're not down at the level of the board as to where the exits are that's a good idea I thought Anything else, gentlemen, so, for hobby? Mm -hmm. I think we're good. Okay. Um, so, since we have a variety of other things to talk about tonight, I don't think we're going to go too much into news. Um, but, when, especially when we do sort of more eclectic episodes, we like to keep the news a little bit, one shorter, but maybe a little less targeted. Um, so, who wrote about the new Chaos Reveal Weird Demon thing with all the space? That's that got to be Dan's writing, right? That would have to be Dan. That has to yeah, be Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, no, that was me. Because I don't yeah. know if you saw it. but um, I did. And it's weird because it doesn't show up in the video. So, they were they were promoting their May 4th to 7th uh, GW Online Open Day, right? Is this the watch silhouette? It. What happened? I'm asking if this is the silhouette. Yeah, that's yes. the silhouette, but it's not in the video. Oh, it's, it's not, not a chaos demon. I, I bet you ten bucks, Dan. I bet you ten dollars the best of Jabberwock because Age of Sigmar is doing a whole thing about being on the plane of beasts. 
and the beastmen are getting some new stuff some encouragement and so on all their factions are getting stuff and a model that hasn't really been available for a while is the jabberwock and the jabber slice and if you look at that thing off to the model's left that hangs down there that's a jabberwock head and it's two little mustaches hanging down okay yeah, I, I don't think demon the, I, I, and I, they could surprise us still could be i don't just because it i would think with the demon there should be more up above the wings like if you look where the wings are for all intents and purposes model looks like essentially it would have got its head cut off if it was a demon where yeah like you said the jabber scythe or, or something like that that is a lot more big wings uh-huh. but more of down towards the ground for the model all right all right the point is yeah i was just kind of really interested because it does look really really cool the wings alone look really really cool to me yeah but yeah no so so for anyone who doesn't know it's supposed to be wednesday the fourth is 40k they're going to reveal some stuff age of sigmar is thursday on the fifth friday is all their little games or the little box games are i mean kill team warcry necromunda and then on that saturday is horse heresy open day horse heresy too or uh, not open day um uh, a lot of information will be revealed then, which is nice. Oh, is that the is that the day they were doing the they invited some yep. people to play the game early? Yep. Okay. That is it. Yep. That's the day they invited people. Okay. Now, again, they, always, they always do their biggest reveal for last, and yes, you know we all know what's coming. So, so if we think just... that's Sigmar, I don't. I honestly, I'm not sure what they're supposed to reveal for anything else. I, I haven't seen any inkling one way or the other of what these other things should be. So from what I hear in the rumor mill, Warcry is apparently uh, pushing a second edition. Huh. Now, Kill Team just had a major release. Yes. And a new edition starting, so it would make sense that that is probably some new kill teams because they're standardizing those rosters quite a bit. And then, of course, Necromunda means Ash Waste because yes. they've got to put that out there. Yeah, because they did just. Um, the only other thing I know that they showed about that was uh, that they've finally, you know, they shown some of the prices for the big box and everything like that. Still waiting on that train, though. Still got that train. I think we were talking about in the in the chat because um, we were debating how much that that terrain box is going to be, uh, at least for Necromunda. And I think someone in the chat was like, um, "GW shops are estimating around three hundred dollars." Was they, what we were saying? They showed it to be three hundred. I saw it on a bell. Oh, they did. Oh, earlier. Okay. yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. What it was shown. Now it's terrain with models and all. It has some of those. Uh, grasshopper guys and all of that stuff but yeah it was 300 so interesting all right so you guys all do heresy what's the prediction for heresy then is this are they showing us models are they giving us just more rules unleaked or what do you guys actually think they're gonna do i i think they'll be releasing like actual rules i'm hoping or at least confirming the rules that maybe were already leaked if they were going for a June release, and they have all of these uh, influencers and YouTubers and so on there to actually play the game, it would make sense if this was kind of like the start of the 
uh, actual rules releases. We've been seeing some of the models. We've gotten a little bit of announcement about uh, PDF units being a continuing thing. I really think that they are most likely going to actually be like, hey, here's a game of heresy. And we probably won't get any of the nitty gritty crunch that I know so many of us really want to be biting into. But I'm sure that we'll see some of the, uh, the rumored things like maybe reactions or changes to reserves or how you build an army. I would, it would, any other company might actually like give you rules that day. Like, Hey, here's the preview. We know you guys want it. Hey, here are the rules. GW doesn't do rules for free. So I I think from that day, we are going to see a lot. I think they, not that necessarily going to hold anything back intentionally, but they're, I don't think they're going to give you enough that if you're not watching the leaks, that you'd actually be able to play the game. Though, I think they're going to show something off or something new in plastic that they have not shown yet. That's my thought. Oh, yeah. They're pla- oh, that was the other big news we should probably talk about. Weapons for the beakies because right now it's just bolters, not even bolt pistol for the sergeant. Although, fun news, they did release the plastic Spartan news. Yes. And that's going to be sexy. That 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 already caught like four or five people's heads um, to play. So, Well, and there's a price sheet that's been going around. and Who knows if it's accurate or not, but it talks about plastic Sakarans, plastic Predators, plastic Rhinos, and limited release boxes of a Predator Squadron. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of plastic heresy that we haven't seen yeah. any inkling of yet. I haven't and honestly seen that, uh, the sheet with the prices. That's interesting. Oh, uh, that was leaked, not leaked, but that, yeah, one leak is the right, that was leaked like a week ago or two weeks ago. What's um, it, did it say anything about what the big box is supposed to be? That's the thing I'm most curious about. Oh, I, I don't remember. Let me take a quick look. I think I have right. it in the chat around here. But I remember, for example, that the Predator Squadron was reported to be clocking in at 107 pounds. Um, that's not bad. Which, yeah, no, that, that certainly caught my attention. Um, Only what, 120 ish dollars? 180. Well, 107 is not 180. Get out of here. Well, in GW math, it is. Yeah, remember it's not a it's never now, a direct conversion. Straight con- the straight conversion at right now, I think, would be like one twenty. Yeah, one twenty. You know, they never do straight conversion. If our dollar is stronger, they raise the price to make up the difference. If our dollar is weaker, they raise the price to make up the difference. Like no matter what, they raise the price to make up a difference. That'd that be please. <laughs> yeah. That's get ahead of inflation. So it, it, <laughs> if it is one hundred twenty straight conversion, it's to be closer to like one eighty. Yeah, have you not noticed well, that? that? Makes sense, the prices though, are never perfect. Sixty dollars a predator. Well, you would want some savings. That's why. So I'm, I was, I was hoping for our one hundred forty. Savings because the individual predators probably seventy five bucks. No, well, wait, wait, wait. Because oh. here's the thing. According to the rumors, which are of course just rumors, and we could all be off base, but there are rumors that predators are going up to squadrons of five. Oh and if you could get five predators for two hundred dollars, say, that would actually be a significant savings, even over the current plastic predator. Hmm. 
possibly too good to be true. So, grain of salt. The gold are just 10 extra cents for not having to click five times on add to cart. Who knows? Oh God, what is, that's called the, um, oh my God, what are they called? Uh, bundles. One click bundles, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's remember, they, they don't necessarily save you money if they don't want to. Having said that, though, if they really want this game to do well, they need to be saving people money. No, they they have All to. Right. What I imagine is you have a lot of great release, like great savings on drop, and then in a year, raise it like they usually do. Yeah. Or just discontinue those boxes. Sorry, did you find something? Uh, nope. Still looking through. Sorry, okay. it's fine. A lot of ground, but oh, no. Uh, in reference to the prices of you know early release versus later prices, I think Adeptus Titanicus really showed that with its um, maniple boxes. You know, those are still in high demand, and now people are selling them for like five dollars less than the combined total of the contents. Yeah, that one, the first Titanicus box, I think, is what got me. Yeah, that's the one that got me in. The, the Warlord. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, second. good. The Axiom, then. The Axiom. Yeah, the, yeah, the Warlord, the Reaver, and the two Warhounds. I bought two of those boxes, and that's how I got my Furions. And I just added from there. I mean, Titanicus is a game that passed the Grandmaster box. They have treated very nicely up until the Warmaster. Yeah. Then they kind of got on my less than absolute love side because they still have not dropped separate weapon screws for it which i think they really should agreed i you know okay we're in a hobby there's a lot of fomo and, and, and all these concerns but i do think if you are strongly considering heresy if these boxes look good to you i think they're worth trying to pick up or pre-order or whatever you, whatever way you want to do that because honestly, I think in like a year's time, a lot of the boxes that are going to come out just won't be a thing anymore. Yeah, they they, that's the, uh, they got rid of the uh, Titanicus really good Axiom Maniple and they replaced it with a shittier one, in my opinion. The yep. third one wasn't bad. The one with like the Warbringer. W yes, the one with the Warbringer wasn't bad. Um, but you know, and I honestly think with all this plastic coming out, it's just going to attract so many people. Uh, oh. Just kind of. Here I'm seeing uh, something about the launch box, Age of Darkness, Horus Heresy launch box. They're saying 240 pounds for 40 beakies, 10 cataphracti, a Spartan, a Contemptor Dread, the two characters, a rule book, a fast play booklet, a campaign booklet, templates, dice, and other accessories so like three hundred dollars that's probably gonna be the price point then yeah yeah and that's actually fun fact is that a lot like is that a big hit originally yes is that a really good fucking deal though that's a two thousand point arm yeah i think yeah we were pricing that out before i think on the chat i think i made a salamander list that was like 2100 points just on that right like i really can't complain about it yeah if oh. Three, even three fifty. Actually, so quick fact: Who the knows? I got, I got, I got to do research. Anyone off the top of your head, how much those Infinity Army boxes are? Three hundred. Are they three hundred? They're about three hundred. Yeah. The the, the full army in a box. Yeah, they're like three hundred. Yeah. So you're basically getting. Oh, that's that's interesting. Okay. Because I was uh -huh. looking at the the next month they have the one for 
oh twelve. So I was asking how much it was, and that's what I was told. It does help that um, you know both halves of the box is the same. You know, you could use in one army. Yeah. Yes. Unlike say, um, you know, Dark Imperium was like, oh yeah, here's my super cool primary screens. I guess you could take the Necrons. Oh gee, thanks, more warriors. But yeah, no, um, I'm just remembering back when Betrayal at Kalth first released, and I was gonna split a box with a buddy, and I somehow wound up getting three boxes off to myself, and that had me set in an infantry horde army all the way up to like 2,000 something points. So yeah, that sounds about right. That's yeah, actually, and that's for three hundred dollars. That's going to be a really, 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 really good deal. Well, and look at what they did with Dominion. Look, I mean, I'm not actually a huge fan of Eighth of Sigmar, but look how much stuff they put in that box at that price point. Yep. For a limited or semi-limited run, I don't think that's actually an unreasonable uh, amount of money or value. Yeah, man, we might be seeing a lot of heresy players, and I'm not even going to complain. I'm very happy about new players. Does, you know, with any game system, if you're not bringing in new players, you're just losing them. Because everybody has a kid, a new job, needs to move. It just happens. Yeah. Sounds like my BFG experience. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's BFG experience. All right. Um, I think that does it for us for news because we wanted to keep that uh, a little bit short of for what's going on. So um, why don't we start just by, since the three of you were in that Titanicus event, why don't you guys just discuss it and, and all, and that'll lead us nicely into both running events as well as attending them. My first Adeptus Titanicus event, also known as the Triumph of Dan. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair... That second game was hilariously like I rolled. <laughs> that stupid second game was should never have happened. <laughs> Why should I agree to the turn? Uh, so this was, yeah, mind you, my fourth. Dan is a terrible person. No, okay. Hey, Sean, now you may say what happened. You may explain it. My, my fourth game of Adeptus Titanicus ever. Oh no. Um. I agreed to allow Dan to field a Warmaster Titan at 2,500 points. And then the scenario that we ended selecting uh, required you to destroy 25 percentiles to score victory points. And since the Warmaster Titan had ran at about 1,200 points... It meant that I could not score more than 50% kill on his army unless I killed it. And I was running a lot of Warhound. It wasn't going to happen in a feasible game. So oh, hold on. To interject, in the middle of the game, I literally go to Steve and like, Hey Steve, what's the primary we're playing? Because <laughs> I had no idea what the actual primary objective of the game was. He did help me select it. Like, I had no I idea. <laughs> he had already built his list, but um, and there's absolutely no hard feelings. I love a good challenge. It was a great game. And honestly, if he hadn't managed to reach out and uh, punch my 
Nemesis Warbringer down in a single turn in the last round, he wouldn't have won. Yeah. I actually, I think had my Reaver not exploded in the middle of your lines, because that hurt. He didn't do anything but just went nuclear in the middle of your lines. Um, now level that, with that, me. Level with me. That felt like it was by design. You even no, had so a strategy. Actually, it wasn't. I warp jumped him because I wanted to charge him. And then you like you you very strategically put your knights right in front of him. Um, and I knew that at that moment, as when I killed the, the little knights that like blocked him, I was not able to do anything because he had a warp missile too. He was gonna go in, charge, do a power fist. He that was his job. But you cleaved him in like almost I think a single or two rounds of combat. Like they charged in and almost destroyed him. Um, and then yeah, I think the yeah. Atropos, they had the uh, fusion yeah. combat weapons. And then I cool. was just like, all right, I need to wipe them out. And then I think your Warhound shot at him. And at that point, he had like one pip on his body left. And I'm like, well, he's not charging and doing anything. So let's get him into a position where he just goes nuclear. And that's what he did. Um, so he took reactor override codes just uh, in case. Dan yeah, runs yeah, his Titans yeah. hot. Always. He always runs his stuff always. very hot. Always. Fair enough. Nothing wrong with knowing who you are. Yeah, that's it's a strategy. But I always take warp displacement. I, I know Sean was laughing in our first game. Because uh, I was like, the Reaver, I think, jumped across the forest. The jungle train, which was beautifully done by uh, uh, Steve, by the way. Um, uh, actually, I will say, that was Lou that put that together. I, I'm like, here are some trees. Just look at these. Like, yeah, man, sure thing. He's like, how's this look like, dude? That's great. Yeah, it was beautiful, well, beautiful terrain. But even the first game, it was a, it was uh, the second game was actually quite close. I think it was like thirty to thirty-three, to be quite honest. Yeah, because uh, of secondaries and so. On. Yeah, secondaries, and the only reason I won was because of the secondaries. I think because I got five points for the secondary. Um, but yeah, no, it's just it was a really good game, and the, and the first game was good too. That forest combat was great, and things just died again. But um, no, no, it was a good, it was a good little event. I like that. Now it. notice these two guys are talking about the two games they played. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we had a tournament. So I got second. While everyone that had that, you know, that went to this event had a great time, had fun, and everything. Um, a tournament, it was not. So no, no, I got event? second place at my first oh, that, Adeptus <laughs> Titanicus event. <laughs> I didn't win a single game. It was a failure. As an experience, I think they had a. It was a perfectly fine time. And so, why is that for 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 people who are not aware? Why is that? Which why did it fail, or why was it a good experience, even if it was a failed event? Uh, why the fail, and why was it a good experience? Either way, go start with one, then go to the other. Okay. So two things happened. Um, one, I did not advertise the event very well, even within my own groups. Um, so it was like, hey, I'm doing an event, guys. It's in two weeks, and then like that was kind of all I did. Instead of like, I wanted to like do a big thing, build up to it, but I just didn't put enough into like reminding people pushing people hey you know make sure you come make sure you come make sure you come um and the other thing is i ended up changing the date of the event at one point to push it back 
Okay. I wanted to squeeze in a 40k event the weekend before it. No, the weekend after it. So it was a weekend later. It was going to be the weekend right before, like, sorry, the Saturday right before Easter. I moved it up a week because I'm like, eh, right before Easter. I'm thinking about my demographic. Like, you know, they're all, you know, they're pretty much all parents. They'll have families to think about. I should probably, you know, not take up the day before Easter with this. I'll, you know, do the weekend before. Um, unfortunately, that made, that made like the pre-Easter weekend for everyone where like, you know, one guy had, you know, the other um, half the family's Easter and all that stuff. So all kinds of stuff with that just made it so that it didn't quite work out. So when you have a date, commit to the date. Generally speaking, that's the way to do it. And uh, advertise. So if I did those two things, probably would have had at least like one more person show up. Um, okay. And I could have at least done like, you know, round robin sort of deal. You had, was it four? Is that how many people you said showed? Um, Myself and three others. So technically four, but I didn't, I was hoping I wouldn't have to play. I wanted yeah. to get some terrain stuff done. Um, and then Lou's like, nah, man, I played you a million times. So like, I'm going to just chill. I'm like, okay, cool. And we just chilled, chatted, worked on terrain. I think we spent all of what would have been round one just talking about new heresy. So, um, <laughs> yeah. It was a great day of games and such. Great day of hanging around. Not a great tournament. Right. Although, we do have an undefeated Titanicus champion now. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, nah, but like... So, that's why I think it failed as an event. Just poor advertisement. Um, changing the date you know if you're doing things like that you're not going to get a turnout even if you had you know a three month long campaign that had 12 players signed up about a core of six people that were very active and another couple that were you know still participating to three people turnout um one of which wasn't even part of the main campaign like you, you gotta be consistent on your date and advertise your events even internally um yeah, and it was a great time because one, I had great people come to it. Um, of all people that came, I think that the three that did show up were like the three that I most wanted to like intermingle and meet each other. Because I thought okay. that they would like bounce, like their energies would mix in a good way, and I think it did. Um, Dan and Sean finally got to meet after lots and lots of bullshitting back and forth online. If I remember correctly. Dan was all, oh, man, I can't go to a to a 30K event all the way up in the Catskills. Do an event in New Jersey, and I'll go to it. And then, and then he like, didn't okay, show. I will. And then he doesn't show up, and it's like, wow. <laughs> like, Titanicus event in New York, though? Oh, that's close enough to go to. As somebody no, 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 who no, lives no. in New York, you don't, have, you don't even understand how no, much no. shit I got for taking a bunch of people from my part of New York to jersey okay first of all Ooh. okay first of all you two little shits the prospero event was like in catskills new york three hour fucking drive away yeah it's far <laughs> yeah and and it had a, yeah. Was, was and had a two-year-old i have a two-year-old and a puerto rican wife that if i leave them alone they will kill each other and then kill me 
So, so I've got a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a nonverbal autistic 15-year-old, and I go three hours to Boston to roll heresy about once a month when there isn't a plague on. And I have a you Comanche wife. hours to run an event. So I don't want to hear about how you couldn't make it to Mythicos, you butthead. I, I, I no, think... no, it wasn't Mythicos. This was, um... Wait, what? No, this no, is no, the Mythicos. No, no. The real issue is you didn't go to the Mythicos event. Yeah. Which was 45 minutes from you. And I don't remember this one. This I, one I don't remember. I think he said he's better than you. I had 26 people show up for Ispawn 5. I had six guys who traveled more than two hours from upstate New York to be there. I don't remember this one. It's because you didn't go to it. I can't remember. I, was thinking, I don't re- I remember not going to this one. Was this like COVID? Was this was this COVID pandemic? No, this was no, this was after Prospero. This was, was like two ever? months ago. Yeah. This was two months ago, and um, we also had a large portion of the New York City crowd came out. Uh, some folks picked up some of them from the local trains. We had one guy who had um, like no interest in pursuing heresy, but he showed up literally just to help his buddy run an army for the mega battle. Uh, oh, it was a it was a great event. I had twenty six people. And we raffled off a box of Terminators and a goddamn Spartan assault tank in Glorious Resin. And, I mean, by all accounts, it was a really good time. And we had some beautifully painted armies there. Um, Several people brought Primarchs for the one-on-one battles. I got to see Korax beat the ever-living shit out of people. It was great. Um, we even had a couple of true scalers there, uh, pre Tortuga style true scaling. It was crazy. Wow! Now I'm like, I really don't event. remember this. Wow! You didn't go. They already told you that. You don't remember because you weren't there. No, no, no. But like, I don't even remember this being advertised. Holy shit! Um, you actually kind of were a little upset because being this Spawn Five, uh, there weren't any custodies there, and you were on the fence about what you had that you could run fluff wise. And I specifically conversed with you about the fact that there were Mechanicum forces there and that your Dark Mechanicum were more than welcome. Oh, my God. I think I remember this cop. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, Dan. We even had Loner on. New York suddenly wasn't too far away. (laughs) I think it's great. That was a fantastic event. I had a ton of fun. I don't think there was a person in the room that had a bad time. No, everybody else is doing pretty good. Sean does run good events. Al, Sean, and Steve do run very good events. So, so why don't we use that to to lead us into this main topic? So we kind of split into two different things. We talked about running events as well as then attending. So we'll we'll start with running. So, um, I mean, it's been a while since I've done any events. You guys seem like you do a bit more. So we have a bit in terms of the show notes of an order, but if someone has a better order, a better thought process in mind, that's fine. It looks like um, the current discussion was sort of three things to keep in mind when running events. So if you um, want to start, Dan. Yeah, no. So, the, I mean, I haven't run an event in a ver- since COVID kind of put a stop on me running events, honestly, is what happened. Um, but I did used to run events. Um, 
especially when like I used to be a Spartan uh, game, uh, Spartan Vanguard. I used to run Firestorm Armada events all the time because mm. uh, I loved the game. Shit, space battles were fun. Um, so I like I think for the top three for me, honestly, it was uh, terrain, atmosphere, and food. Um, terrain. Oh, listen, I know it's a pain in the ass, um, but if you don't have terrain, ask people to bring terrain. People will happily sometimes bring terrain to fill up a table. Um, honestly, you need to have your own terrain as well. But like, if you know, for example, like when Steve ran his event, right? Steve had a oh, beautiful, beautiful so space heavily elevator. Heavily on Dan. But, but he, so yeah, yeah, I was gonna say he had a beautiful space elevator done. But I brought a majority of the terrain, and I didn't hate that at all. I liked that. You know what I mean? Um, and just ask people to bring terrain because they'll do it. People will come together and help you out. Um, and it attracts people too. Niche games, like people for niche games, very often. In a group, someone's going to have their personal collection, and as long as it's respectfully treated, they're okay bringing it. Yeah. And it, it tracks people who play the game, but it also tracks people who don't, who are curious about the game, and they just want to see it. You know? Um, you can't be afraid to make a little bit of a spectacle between terrain and nicely painted armies. Yeah. That really grabs them. Yeah. It, it, to see, for example, I was playing... Um, I was playing Dave, right, for the first time ever with my demon army this yeah. Friday, right? Um, and to see the demon army and his Necron army painted on the table, just it looked with some good, I mean, pretty good terrain. It's Maplewood terrain, so it's not like, <laughs> it's, we're called terrain kickers for a reason, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, I don't know if Dave's laughing in the background. I heard something. Uh, um, I, I might have a little bit. My, my stuff's not muted, so. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, it's we're called terrain kickers for a reason. So it's not the best looking terrain, but it looks good. It looks it looks good. Um, and with two painted armies, it, you know, it, it, that one guy came by. I don't know who he was. I think Dave knew him. Um, but that one guy came by. I'm like, oh, what are you playing? Uh, are you playing demons? I'm like, yeah, this is my first uh, demon, uh, you know, run through. And he was just asking questions about it. You, you know what I mean? The, the guy who he was later playing Brett in a game. Okay. So. Yeah, it was I, the Space Wolf player, right? Yes, he does. Brett was playing Space Wolf. He was playing. Uh, oh. He was playing Grey Knights. Oh, Grey Knights. That's right. He, is, yeah, uh, he might have Space Wolves as well. Um, I think he has. I. I know. Yeah, I just don't remember his name. So if he listens, he can tell me later what his name is. But I don't. So sorry about not remembering. But he came over. He came over, and it's like it attracts people. And I'd like um, to highlight and underline what you just said there because absolutely. that is a major part of why the local game store is so key in the life cycle of any game, of any gaming community. Because otherwise, who's going to walk by your basement or your spare room and see you doing all these things with all these beautiful models and this cool terrain and ask you questions? Do you have that many creepy stalkers? Because I don't. Oh my god, this, that reminds me. The first time I actually met Dan in the flesh. Yes! Was, oh my god, was, I'm about this Yeah. So, it was pandemic. Right? It was early pandemic, so it was like, okay, you know, we don't really want to go indoors anywhere. But, you know, it was the summer, it was beautiful weather. It's like, you know what? Let's go to the park, set up a table, and play a game outside. You know, we're still masked up and everything, you know. Table's four feet, you stand a foot away, now we're six feet apart. It's like, you know, safe environment for, like, you know, it was, you know, crazy. Like, we don't know what was going on at the time. Like, you know, 
we met up at a park and we had so many people walk by and go, whoa, what is this? Kids, adults, everywhere. It's like, what is this? This looks and actually awesome. one of my dreams. I completely dance, forgot. Dance train is great. Yeah, I, the, the, I will put out there. Like three-dimensional board itself. Like, oh. Yes. I did have the, uh, the, the oh my God, what do they call the game zone tile? Oh my God, I can't remember what the company. I know they're defunct now. Um, but no, I would absolutely love to see an event be run outside, like choosing a, a like a, a middle ground park, uh, and bring everyone bringing like picnic tables or six by four tables, setting up those fold out tables and just bring into it. That would be fucking it's like, you know, having barbecue beer. That would be an event in my opinion. You would want to have I've never, just in case of rain. Bro, I don't think I've ever seen that happen. I don't think I've ever seen on YouTube or any news, like any news sites or Goonhammer. I don't think I've ever seen an outdoor event. Not... You've never played Lawnhammer? Yeah. Well, haven't Barkhammer? As a personal lawn thing, no, like Lawnhammer. Public event, though. No, no, Lawnhammer, though. Like, I've, I've played outside my house or apartment, but never, like, in a park, you know, like with the barbecue going and, like, Oh, sure, because somebody's dog's going to eat your friggin' basilisk. I, I think the other thing you have to keep in mind is, like, where our location is. I think the same way as when I remember when I was out in the Midwest at one point for something, there was also just a lot more outdoor stuff. Like, one of their, we were at a mall or something like that, but it's all outdoors. It's a few little things, kind of, but it's all outdoors. So certain areas in our country have a lot more of that sort of outdoor atmosphere because of their weather. So I think if you went to the right spots, you might be able to see it. You know, that's absolutely fair. Yeah. Like in Arizona, they don't get as much freak rain or no. weather changes as you might get in, say, Florida. Yeah. I, yeah, but I, they I, really like their AC. They want to be inside. Oh, yes. so true. Been to Florida, I hate it. Yeah, you, you need um, to have the right weather and infrastructure for that. Yeah. But just that was a little side note because I did I did enjoy <laughs> Park Hammer a lot. That, that was really cool. So that was the first thing to raid. Um, second thing we need is atmosphere. Um, and this this has happened before. Not not an event I run because usually I've learned my lesson to kind of make it clear what we're doing. Um, but definitely atmosphere. You know, make sure if you're going to you know when you're when you're running an event, make sure you either make sure it's a tournament or a narrative event, right? Or, or somewhere in between. You got to make it clear because um, I've seen someone running a, and I disagree with the title, by the way, that I'm about to say, so bear with me on this, but I've seen someone run beginner level tournaments, right? I've seen someone bring beginner level tournaments. So you'll have someone bring, bring in their like box set army and then someone will run Crusher Stampede. So it's like, help, I'm being attacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but even so, or like, um, so the specific example I saw, this was back in, oh, for fuck's sake, this was either fifth or sixth edition, and someone can, was probably going to correct me in the comments or right now, um, but it was a beginner level tournament, and I had started playing Grey Knights, but not Drago Wing or anything like that, so I brought in some purifiers, because I really like the way they look, I brought in some interceptors, I think they're called, the ones with the teleporting backpack, just really cool yeah. interesting stuff. I had never bring because I wanted to be beginning tournament. And some guy brought um, Drago Wing, essentially. He brought 20 Paladins with Drago, three Dakonauts. Oh. Yep. And it's just like, 
and he won. Of course he did. Yeah, single-handedly he won. Uh, but it was just like, you, you kind of feel, it's like you look at that and you're like, why? Fucking why? So you kind of have to make your shit clear, whether it's a tournament, a narrative. Um, like, you know, for example, Sean's events. I know when I'm going to Sean events, I made fucking, God, how many lists did I make, Sean? 16? 17 lists? I, uh, at, yeah, least. There were at least 30,000 of them. I, I have run between 16 or 17 fucking lists for this goddamn event on the 30th. And that's just with the custodies. That's not even, I'm not even count the demons. I didn't count the dark mech now. Just the custodies. I have 16 to 17 lists. Each one of them has their own fluffy narrative. Each one of them has some sort of thing that they're doing. And I still don't know which one to bring. I still might change you in the even, last second. You even asked for permission for a custom force organization chart. Yeah. So run just two HQs. And then you're was, what, like, 18? I think that was the maybe 18 two hours list? later, you were like, eh, what about these other I don't five know. Ones? Fun fact to know, I figured out in Mornival the list. It's actually a... Uh, uh, hold on, uh, give me a second. It's 730 points. So whatever that is out of 1250. So that's what, 300, 400, 500 points less. It's a, it's a 735 point list. I, I brought, but the, fun fact, they're both in the crate right now, ready to go. I brought like, it's, it's so weird. Cause it's like, I know for this event that it's narrative. I, he released the missions early and I just kind of want to be like, I want to be like, okay, they're in a, why would the custodies be here? Okay. So I'm going to bring this person, but you know what? I think there's going to be demons. So maybe there should be a sister of silence attachment because that they're really good at taking down demons and maybe psychers. Um, or maybe like, and so you, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to a narrative event. I have 16 or 18 lists versus if I'm going to a tournament event. I'm taking one list. You know what I mean? So uh, there's there's no yeah. So so you said you don't like the phrase beginner beginner tournament yeah. or beginner event. Yeah. It, it why is that? is that because the connotation just being no, like no, no, less no, competitive competitive? No no, no 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 no. I love the connotation. I love the fact that you're running a tournament for beginners. Absolutely yeah. love it. The problem well, is human beings suck. Yeah. Yep. The problem is human beings suck. Uh, that's not like this is just me teaching history. Uh, human beings will game the system whenever chance you get it. 90% of the people that attend those events are going to be beginners. The 10% are going to fuck everything up because you're going to have some asshole bringing, you know, Harlequin. Or dragons. Or yeah. You're going to have someone, oh, I didn't know this was beginner. Or, oh, I just bought this army. I just wanted to try it. I'm a beginner. Meanwhile, he brought fucking, you know, nine Darklands, Harlequin, Viper bullshit vehicles. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, beginner tournaments are great in theory, but in practice, I don't think they work because people, not everyone, but people in general sometimes just suck. That's just, it, it sucks that, that, that that's just how it is. I'm sure people will disagree with me on that. Well, I, I, but I, to some extent, I do. Counterpoint? Yeah, go ahead. Do yours first, I'll do mine. I think that what really is the thing here is what makes it a beginner tournament is not just telling people, by the way, this is a tournament for beginners. You know, I know that um, we have talked a bit about how prize support needs to be set up. And for me, a big part of what makes a tournament a beginner event, whether it's tournament style or narrative, is that the prize support is geared more towards basic generic units that new players are going to need and that the painting requirements are either very, very loose or non-existent. 
to allow people who are just getting their feet wet to really get into it. It's got nothing to do with um, um, just like them happening to be new. Because you could have someone who's new to the game who's been playing war games for 20 years. I, uh, the point of pride is you also could lean towards making the, the incentive to show up and not the incentive to win by making it just door prizes and bragging rights or making it raffled prizes. There's a reason right, that like I we... love Sean's events because it's raffle prizes. So it's not like, yeah, I'm going to this 30k event. I'm going to go to this tournament. I'm going to crush all these people, get first place like there's no first place. Like you show up and maybe, you know, you get a set of dice. Yeah, you know? I still have I still have fucking um, I still have those two uh oh my god the, the, I don't know what to call them, I they're framed uh the from the two heresy events I went to, you oh, know yeah your um your bragging rights prizes the, the yeah loyalist and like I, I, can't, I can't read yeah. it from here because it's too far away but I still got them I love them they're they have no monetary value they don't make my army stronger or weaker but they're really cool <laughs> like they're framed awards I like it. It sounds stupid, but I like it. I I think beginner style things can work, and I think it could be one like like was sort of said there. The way you do prizes, what you do for prizes, making them random, don't incentivize people to want to bring shit lists. I think the other thing is if if you happen to be in an area where even if you try to do that, you're still going to get some tryhards. That's when you, you know, you talk to people and maybe that's when you do something, what they used to do is more comp style. Okay. I'm also, not only is it how well you do, I'm going to judge what did you bring? Because a new player, someone who's newer, either won't be or shouldn't be bringing the nastiest stuff. No. No. They they won't own it. You know, if you're not chasing the meta, you're not going to have that. Yeah. It goes back to, again, make sure you know what your event is going to be. You know what I mean? Like when I go to Steve's events, I know that they're narrative. When I go to Sean's events, I know that they're narrative. When I go to, you know, um, what is it called? Uh, Le- Leprechaun tournament bullshit 40K thing. I know I got to bring a hardcore list to win. Know what, know what event you're running. Uh, it makes sense, right? The, I just know what you're doing. D- Have a you, goal. Didn't you bring a... Uh... <laughs> Was it? Uh... Don't you play custodies? Yeah, you have no right to talk about forty k and being casual. Listen, listen, bitch. Since seventh edition, I played custodies. I had to survive seventh, and I had to survive eighth to get where I am. And it's down again. It's nerfed, so I'm fine. People are like selling their custodies armies, and I'm sitting here laughing my ass off because I'm playing my old eighth edition army again. <laughs> People need to calm the hell down. Um. Oh, last thing, when running events. And this is a big one. And this one, honestly, I didn't think too much of this until I met Steve. I'm, I'm not calling you out or anything, but you're one of the main he reasons said why I you put bring this on you have terrible stuff. <laughs> no, 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 The last one, the food, the food, food, food. Okay. So um, just the way you said no, that. Not the atmosphere, not the atmosphere. I didn't think no, no. it was a and problem that's... until I went to an event that Steve had. <laughs> you know, that's the way it sounded. That came out horrible. No, no, no. Let me explain this. Uh, food. Food is one thing you want to definitely keep in mind during events. Um, I know a lot of people order pizza um, for lunch. 
And I know a lot of people like to bring Dunkin' Donuts or coffee, which is fine. That's like 98% of the time. But sometimes you will have the guys with like food allergies or lactose intolerant. Although I always make fun of lactose. I'm lactose intolerant. I don't give a fuck. I will shit my brains out and still eat pizza and ice cream all day, every day. Um, but like you'll have people who are allergic to food. Like I know Steve is kind of allergic to... Um, yeah, everything. No, no, but there was like, one specific one thing that's in everything, and that'd be corn. Yeah. Corn, that's what it is. Yep, I remember. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he's allergic to corn. So I, does. Yeah, so I, if I'm running an event and Steve's, I'll be like, hey, Steve, I know we're ordering pizza, but do you want like literally? Do you want anything else from the pizza place or like anything like like anything to like you can eat that I'll order? So just kind of always keep that in mind. It 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 keep adds to like venue is versus um place you get food, right? So like yeah, um. Like Mythicos Randolph, right, is in the middle of nowhere. If you want to get food, you have to go one way, make a U-turn to go somewhere, take a U-turn to go back. Whoa, so, whoa, 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 so whoa, at, whoa. At Randolph, like, you know, people have to really leave the location unless you want pierogies, right? Yeah, I was going to say, they have that sexy um, sandwich place there. Like, you know, that's like the one option there is. Right? Okay, the one option, yes, so, but yeah. I was going to say it's um, good. That's why I like to often, like, order a pizza or something, right? Or, like, Toy Biz, same deal. Like, there's a Mexican place, like, you know, three blocks i guess down but like you know if you want any like literally anything else you have to actually get in your car and move to get there um so you know that's why i order a pizza usually or i'll get dunkin donuts to last through the day um but somewhere like mythico smawa where it's literally in a shopping center with a pizza place a mexican place um i there was a chinese place there's a chinese place there's an entire grocery store literally all in the same shopping center like, they don't have to order food because there are options literally everywhere in walking distance. So, yeah, um, your venue and food is also another thing, like, you got to consider. Like, in the mall, you don't have to order pizza. There's McDonald's in the same building. But, yeah, no, food is definitely a thing to consider. And with including that consideration, how long you set aside for lunch. If people yeah. have to travel, make sure yeah. there's at least an hour for food. Yes. Get it and come back. If you're providing pizza, you could probably cut it down to 30 minutes if the pizza's on time. But yeah, those are kind of like my top three. I mean, honestly, I did add a fourth, which is just make sure you enjoy yourself. I've seen so many people run events, um, and they just hate the fucking event, and it brings everyone down. I, I, uh, fun fact, I've never seen it for a narrative event. I have yet to see someone run a narrative event and them being hated. It's usually for tournaments where, like the to just doesn't want to be there so i find that slump slightly funny um i think that's a byproduct of what it is if you're exactly i know i'm yeah. just kind of laughing because i'm realizing you know how either ironic or byproducty it is but um i, I think just, I, just comes, I think it comes directly from the idea of it. if you're running something narrative you essentially are doing that because you 100 purely enjoy it because let's face it, if you're doing narrative, you're not doing narrative with like big prizes. You're pr you might not be doing narrative with that much support from, say, game store or whatever it is, anything like that. You're doing it because this is something you enjoy. You actually like it, so you probably have a bigger investment in it than, uh, or the potentially bigger investment in it than someone who's doing something purely competitive. Uh, yeah, I feel like narrative is selfish because it's I want to see this event, so I'm gonna make it happen. Whereas sure. the tournament's like, all right, the community wants this. I'm going to make it happen so they could all come here, spend money, and roll dice. Yeah. Uh, no, that's true. To some extent, the narrative is partly for you who's running it, not just the players. Of course, if you're running it, 
most of the time you're not playing and it's it's kind That's of true. the catch 22 of the situation uh, part of why I, I thrive in the atmosphere and energy of the room more than the actual gameplay fun fact so yeah i have no problem running narrative events fair enough I, I think it's something that because um, I I didn't put my my own top three thing in here or anything like that because I just want to kind of come up as I went along. But I think part of it, what I would say in this is you also have to be the person who actually wants to do this, um, especially to an extent if you do narrative. Your event is going to be terrible, like Dan said, if you're not there, if you're not having fun, if this is not for you. There is some people out there who absolutely, it's not that they don't like playing the game. But they have more fun running the events and putting it together than they necessarily do being in those events. And you have to honestly ask yourself if you're that kind of person. Uh, yeah. All right. Who would like to go through right. their list? Sean's next on the um, the notes. Yeah. So if he wants to go. Sure. Sure. Um. So, well, actually, I do need one second. Are they okay? Sorry, small children coming through the room. No, um, kids do that. It's all good. So, when it comes to how I look at events, there are um, several things that I go about when I'm thinking about making events. My experience outside of New York includes the middle of nowhere in western Montana and in uh, Portland, Oregon, and in Denver. And in every case, it's kind of been outside of the local stores. All the stores around here have been very supportive and very helpful. Um, but I haven't really found a, a home base where I have a, an ongoing relationship with any of them. But when I'm trying to organize an event in my head, the first thing I need is a theme. And sometimes that's something like the burning of Prospero. I had a picture in my mind of what I wanted that event to be from before the pandemic started. And that helped me decide, okay, how big do I need these armies to be to actually get the right feel? Um, what kind of missions do I need to find or come up with? So on and so forth. And sometimes that uh, theme can be something like that, very historical. Or it could be as simple as, this is an intro event. So my theme needs to be, this is beginner friendly. So we're going to have certain restrictions on units, um, et cetera, et cetera. But in that same vein, I love making apocalypse scenarios. And apocalypse is always a slug. It's always a marathon. But if you do it right, especially if you have somebody running it, you can make some really amazing narrative moments. You can get um, objectives that actually do interesting things. Like in 2008, I ran an apocalypse game with 10,000 points of Tyranids versus uh, 10,000 points of Imperial Soup. But every Tyranid unit that died came back and the more objectives that the imperium held the more special abilities that they had to use like calling in orbital strikes as long as they kept the uh the comms relay up and you know being able to use the uh, resupply strategy until their uh ammo bunker was overrun 
so on and so forth to give it the actual feel of no matter what you do you're going to die but how long can you keep it alive how long can you keep it going to give you that that sensation of a last day because if we just wanted to play a game there are so many board games there are so many video games that needs so much less time investment to get to the payoff. So I really feel that when you're crafting an event, you need to make it worth the 200 hours that somebody spent painting their 120 corn demon. I agree with that. I, honestly, I hadn't even considered the, the prospect of not running these things through stores. I guess at least from my vantage point, you know, we're kind of lucky. We've always had a store around us who does do events and is willing to run our events and can house our events. But this idea of like, oh, yeah, I might not even be running out of a store. I might not have a good spot. Essentially, I might not have a good spot to do this. It was not something I honestly really thought about. You know, I uh, I was lucky enough over the last winter there, a good friend of mine tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, I got some buddies together and we're talking about getting an Airbnb uh, out in like Northern Connecticut. Would you like to come and roll some dice? We're going to do potluck food. Everybody gets their own bedroom and it's just going to be one long weekend of everyone's vaccinated, lots of room to move around and bring something zany, try something out, have some fun with it. One of the best weekends of gaming I've had in. Very cool. I like that. Um, now the flip side of that is, based on my work schedule and where I've lived and so on, I've never really been able to get into convention games, which I hear can be a blast, uh, but it's always been kind of intimidating for me. The schedules are so packed. There are all these people I don't know. I don't understand the expectations. But I know some of the guys that run events at uh, conventions, and they're all really cool guys, and usually pretty laid-back guys. Probably not a great line of uh, hobby for someone who's wound tightly. But So it makes me curious, and I really would like to get to Nova or Adepticon one of these days. But that kind of segues into the idea of new players are the lifeblood of the game and you have to set expectations for them mm -hmm. um so you know when i ran the Spawn five event there there was some grumbling about having a painting requirement wait what there was some grumbling about having a painting requirement that's surprising actually and i don't you know, I haven't been able to make it down to Jersey a whole lot. I'm looking forward to changing that. Um, but, you know, so we ended up doing it. So if you were part of the one-on-one -on -one battles, it was fully painted and based. Good luck. And if you were part of the much smaller, like, 1,500 point per person mega battle, bring what you could. Because we wanted a path to get some new players in that get people who were just starting a forward so i actually had at least four people who told me that they made new armies just for the event my local ultramarine player uh sean larry he built and painted a beautiful 3000 point iron warrior force 
um, just so he could run some Iron Warriors at the event. But not everybody has that kind of speed or free time or um, ability to concentrate. So I know that we had a guy out of New York City who built a Wordbearers force that had been sitting on his shelf in pieces for a couple of years at that point. And he just, he put it together and he got it on the table. It gave him that extra incentive to like actually make a move on it so he could have a lore appropriate force for our narrative event. You're the reason why I got my corn force started, to be honest. <laughs> You're the reason why I paid my corn. Yeah. Right. So you want these events to set expectations, not to gatekeep people, but to encourage engagement. And I get into this debate with folks on the internet, which is itself a stupid idea, but I do it anyway. <laughs> um, oh, no. All the time that a lot of what people call gatekeeping and heresy isn't trying to keep people out. It's really trying to keep people properly engaged. Because if you can just throw anything together, if you can just slap anything together or buy a really badly half-assed piece of gray plastic and throw it on the board, how much invested are you in it versus how much are you invested in what you're getting out of the prize table or dabbing on people on the internet or what have you? Like, I want people that are there because they liked their army and they like the people they're playing against. And I want to give them the extrinsic motivation that will let them get the most out of their hobby. And I feel that things like painting requirements and not for nothing, I'm pretty flexible about it using the appropriate models. And people get all riled up, they get their hackles up because they expect folks to be a lot harder on it than it is, but it's like, Anyone who's seen my paint jobs, I am a mediocre painter. I do my best, but I'm using techniques from 1998 that I've just gotten slightly better at. You know, and I see all of you folks out there with like the beautiful airbrush jobs and the wet palettes and paints by companies that I'm pretty sure you have to go to the dark web to get a hold of. And it's like, like, I love it. I love seeing it, but I ain't got the time and I don't have the skill, but I'm willing to put in the effort. And all I ask is that the people showing up to the events I'm running do their best to put in that effort too. I, I like it. I, I, I do like that. I do see, you know, I think it is important if you're trying to grow a community and that might be a, a separate topic support, but if you're trying to grow a community, I think there is something to be said for, you know, events without pure, all, all the same sort of requirements, just because if you are a brand new player, one of the worst experiences in my mind is being told, Oh, Hey, you just got in, in a few months when you get your, you know, your stuff painted and you get to this level where we're, where we find acceptable, then you can come and play with us. But absolutely, you know, I I I, th I think it's important to have a bit of both, especially if your goal is to get more people into it. No, absolutely, you don't want to cut their legs out from under them. Yeah. So, um, like Steve can tell you that when he came to the Burning of Prospero event, 
I actually provided six loner armies. Two of the gentlemen that were there, um, one of them had only played three heresy games in his life, and another one, it was his very first event. Oh, wow. We are a community where people hoard models. I've seen closets with enough Battlefleet Gothic in them in the box to like support the entire East Coast. And I know, <laughs> for example, Dan here yeah, has enough custodies, right? Like, and Dan here in his custodies alone could outfit five people with full yeah. armies. Yep. Yeah. So there is Dan no reason. The entire Mythicos, uh, Maplewood. Uh, custodies tournament circuit with all their stuff. Like, you know, whatever works. I'm just saying, like, if you want to have a fully painted event and have a new person there, there are other options between telling them to fuck off and die. Help them. Jeez. <laughs> and I, like I said, uh, I, I dare say over other... Again, I, I think we mentioned this funny enough when we talked about Horse Heresy or getting into Horse Heresy... I dare say the Horse Heresy community has enough loaner armies between us that we we can absolutely loan armies. For fuck's sake, I paint a demon army just for the fact of loaning it. I'm not even going to play the fucking thing. Right, right. You know, <laughs> I painted uh, it to loan out. Literally, I, the character I made, I don't even know if you saw this, Dave. Uh, Sean sent me a PDF of the Mournable character thing. Um, and it was kind of a pain in the ass to figure out at first. Slightly dyslexic, sadly. So seeing all the check Yeah, no. It, 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 well, this one sucked a little bit because, you know, with dyslexia, what I learned in my 33 years is that you kind of just sometimes you kind of guess the word and you could kind of guess the general gist of it, which sucks sometimes when you're taking a test, but it's good for just normal reading. But the more of all shit had like check boxes, <laughs> and so <laughs> it was it was kind of slightly harsh. Um, so I sent it over to Sean and Sean goes, yeah, that looks good. And so I created a whole entire character sheet using, uh, I think it's Steve. Steve has this using, um, someone put up like the templates. I don't know how someone found it, but the templates on Microsoft word for the Horus heresy books, right? So like the background template, the, the, the fonts, the colors, right? And so like saying, I, I made a pdf copy of essentially my demon in the warp uh for this event and i'm not even playing the damn army i did it because it was just absolutely hilarious and i thought it'd be cool that if someone was playing my army they had this i just posted it on the discord um they have they have this awesome you know model this champion of corn to play um absolutely yeah like, like you know <laughs> That's the kind of passion I love to see. And like I'd like to shout out to uh the Boston crowd, New England uh 30k. You know, Tim Devlin is one of the guys that uh runs there. He's running events at Nova this year, as I recall. And that man has every trader army except Thousand Sons, but including mortals, and he regularly loans them out to people to get them into the game. And Stephen Lan, who I think is one of the founding event organizers for them, he made dozens and dozens of custom character sheets and custom artwork 
for people because everyone in the campaign they were running out there for years was allowed up to two uh, event organizer approved special characters because they were not doing any special characters out of the uh, the actual rules, but they had a system for making your own. So you weren't locked into this or that because it was their game, their subsector, their lore. And he went the extra mile. I still have the uh, character sheet he made for my Jarl up on the wall there because it's just so damn pretty. Shit like that resonates not just with the people who played the game, but I think it resonates also with new people coming in. Because, I, you know, again, when someone I was playing you, Dave, and you saw that yeah. person come up and like, oh, my God, what is that? Are those demons? I haven't seen someone play demons. I want, you know, if someone comes up during this 30K event and be like, hey, those are really interesting demons. I'm like, you want to play them? Here you go. What? Yeah, here you go. And here's the custom character that comes with it. His name is Raka. Here's his, like, sheet and his history and why he's here. You know, it's... I don't know. It's it's fun, right? If I was listen, if I was a little kid, like fourteen. Oh my god, the little kid is fourteen. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, side bad. five second story. I was at Starbucks with my daughter, and someone fucking goes, "Mr. Seville, is that you?" It turns out they're they're junior in college with their fiance, and I'm just like, "Oh." Did, did you just <laughs> age immediately? Like someone handed you? Are you just drank from the wrong grail? <laughs> Is that what I started applying for AARP. I had to call AARP and just apply right then and there. Oh, big oof. Oh, yeah. I was like, holy shit. Um, but no, like if I was like 14, 15 years old, right? And someone, and I see a beautiful army, because that's what got me into it. The, the games, I think it was, yeah, it was the Games Workshop in Jersey Gardens. For those who are old enough to remember Jersey Gardens having a Games Workshop, or the Games Room in Woodbridge. Um, Game you know, going store. by and seeing, yep, and you see those armies. And what had happened was that uh, I passed the Games Workshop in Jersey Gardens. And fun fact, Brian worked in the store, if you didn't I know did. that, Dave. No, I, did, I did not know that. Yes, he did. Uh, Brian's a local at Maple Abbey. Brian goes, you want to try a game? Here's my, um, oh, what the fuck did he have? He had, I, I, I know it's a Chaos Army, and I always forget the damn name. It's the guys in black armor, or Black Crusade? No. Um, the Black, black Legion. Legion. Black Legion, yeah, thank you. I know it's Abaddon's old, um, what they became. Um, but yeah, he had a Black Legion armor, and he taught me the game, and I was like, and he let me the army, and it was just, it felt cool. It made me want to get shit. So, you know, there's something to say that, you know, when you have a community that loans out armies and stuff, it really does make the event nice. Absolutely. Um, and you know, like, as a thing, again, if your goal is to have a long-term sustainable group, you do need those new players. So I am happy to add a new player event, change the normal standards. You don't need to be painted. If you haven't figured out what arms are on one of your dreadnoughts, it's not the end of the world. Just keep it consistent. And because... I don't know. Maybe I have uh, more social anxiety, but a new, a new group, a new game system, a new community can be intimidating a lot of people, especially one like Heresy that has a bit of a reputation, mm -hmm. deserved or undeserved, for that higher standard. And 
you know, it's not the end of the world, but you don't want people to not walk in the door just because they think you might not be okay with them. Talk to them, help them, invite them in. Yeah, it, this is probably a gross generalization, but I don't think it's inaccurate that many, I, I struggle to say most, but many, many war gamers have, you know, some sort of social anxiety or, or something else like that, where you might want to be part of that community, you might want to join them, play games with them, but you don't know how to get in. And I have absolutely gone to stores where you don't feel welcomed at all. Like you, you walk in the door and essentially no one even notices you. You're not sure how to talk to people. Maybe you go hang out near a table to try to get conversations going. It just doesn't occur. And if you're trying to run events and trying to get more people in, and that should always be your goal, you should always want new players in, then you want to try to be accommodating in what way works best for you and your event. And absolutely, you know, I, I, have, I haven't attended any of these, but the ones that you've done but it does make it sound like oh yeah i you know it's something i could actually go to try out and you know it, it feels like it would actually be okay that i'm you know not at that level oh absolutely well, so like example, the event you could go to is there's one on saturday this place called toy Wiz. if you're coming in super low steve out. right there didn't hear you no i was saying you should come to the event yeah. on Saturday. We have some loader armies available. But we do have the cardboard Zomorn Talus tiles from Necromunda. We can set them up, give you a demo game, and teach you the ropes of this cool thing called Taurus Heresy. The sold out event? It is a sold out event, but we always have folding tables. I was going to say, I so, can't tell if my. Yeah, I was going to say, Toy Wiz is massive. There. Because if so, I don't actually know if I have anything this Saturday. I know we have an. I know she has an event Sunday for her business. I don't actually know if there's anything Saturday. Not as far as I thought, too. That's the weird thing. So Toy Wiz is weird for those. I don't know who. I know people listen from like you know different countries and stuff. Toy Wiz is like such a weird location for me because you know you hear New York and it's like it's New York City or it's upstate New York, but Toy Wiz is like on the legitimate border of New Jersey and New York, scarily so. So it's only like half an hour for me. It's like everyone in, that lives in Rockland County like commutes to the city for work, right? But they don't identify as a New Yorker city-wise because, oh, I don't live in the city. I just work there. I, I'm the real New York. But like that's all of New York. They all think they're the real New York. So will they get angry if I say that they're not actually the real New York and that they're fake New Yorkers? Yes. They will also get extremely upset if you call them upstate. Well, I was like, going to say, isn't, isn't, isn't Catskills, like, Catskills is just Southern Canada? No, no, no. I grew up in Montana. That is Southern Canada. <laughs> Catskills is West New England. West New England. Jesus. <laughs> I called South Jersey. Uh, up, South Jersey is Upper West Virginia. <laughs> Actually, quick, quick oh. little aside for a moment here. Um, I don't know if I told you guys. Did I tell you? what our top three countries are for listeners. No. No. What, what do you think is number one? Number one should be obvious. <sighs> the, US. Okay. the U.S. is number one. What do you think is number two? Okay, US, it's got to be the U.K. Okay. What do you think is number three? I don't, you're, gonna, gonna, no, you're not going to get this one. What do you think is number Indonesia. three? And it's not Canada. Japan. No. Japan. No, that'd be cool, though. But no, it's not Japan. <laughs> it is Finland. 
The fuck? I don't know why. Apparently, there's at least a big, like, I, I can't see by which episodes and all, but that is actually our third most popular. And some, Bro, some months, people, hey, some months it's actually beaten uh, the UK. Huh. When we do a lot of Titanicus content, it beats the UK. That's you guys have that's UK. interesting. Yeah, or maybe it's people using VPNs. It has to be people because I don't know. Maybe it's it could I, it could be. I can you, sometimes you can distinguish when it's a VPN versus not because it gives you this random thing, but it's either VPN or whatever. This it's it's like enough where I would say it seems a little too much to be. Just a hundred percent VPN, but maybe. Bro, but that's, that's awesome. what I thought was. Yeah, it's it's Finland for some reason. Huh. So good. So we um, did you have any other uh, main points to what you were saying there, Sean? Um, I'm just uh, envision a theme, keep an eye out for new players, and honestly, um, I do, I do have a third point, and that is that. How you motivate people matters. And that is why I do prize support because everybody loves winning prizes. But I do them through um, a raffle system. And there are other ways of doing it. But what I have found is if you disconnect winning games from getting prizes, it cuts out the idea that I need to make sure that everything is as rules lawyered as possible. And rules lawyer is a bit of a dirty word, but it reduces that stress. Yeah. Because, you know, that $200 box is not actually dependent on the conversation I'm having with my opponent right now about line of sight. So we can just talk about it because there's no extraneous factors between does that look good or not? And I think that's really important to the community aspect. Um, and one of the things that I like about the large number of narrative events that they have in Horus Heresy is that community aspect. And especially with the uh, 2.0 dropping this year, I think that as a community, that's something that we really need to keep our eye on is how we're rewarding people for their um, involvement and making sure that it's in ways that incentivizes them to be engaged in the community in a positive way. No, agreed. It's like, I mean, we're obviously taking a little bit more of what I would call event focus rather than tournament focus. I mean, these can be tournaments, of course, but not necessarily towards that large scale competitive form. Um, I mean, if it's if it's oh, super sure. competitive, that's another thing entirely. But for this stuff, yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. I mean, even even with tournament, you know, there are other ways of doing things. I have been to tournaments where you were rewarded um, with prize support, not based purely off of winning games, but through accomplishing certain things. Yep. Like, did you kill the enemy warlord in melee? Did you like, you know, X, Y, or Z? They they've all been wildly different, honestly. But th there are there are ways of getting people to incentivize the uh, the epic battle that really gets folks going. That that's team tournament at Adepticon is that 
Some people go in right. there to win. Other people go in there to get the prize for doing this ridiculous thing, whatever it may be, killing the most characters or something like that. I've even seen tournaments where they have like a first place prize and the it really wasn't your day, buddy prize for last place. Oh, yeah. God, we have it in Maple Rose, that's Smoking Boots. Every, any boots. tournament smoking in America Small has that. Yep. You know, Maple, we have Smoking Boots. Oddly enough, uh, one time we we did a Malifaux tournament. One Malifaux tournament we did there. I did it like real well, won the tournament. The next time, I actually got last place, but I also got best painted because we usually in this tournament like to do painting awards as well. And awesome. what the guys laughed about afterwards, they said, you actually got more prize support getting last pace, place with best painted than the person who won. I said, yeah, because like, we, we put emphasis on those other things, especially, you know, like, painting to be good and last place hey you should get you know give you something to keep you motivated so that's, that's great one. yeah but, all right uh how about you steve what uh what are some of these key features you think when you're trying to run an event all right so it, for me it's the who the when and the how right so who who are you trying to get to come you're a little bit right? low oh sorry my micro moved away from the face that's okay um who are you trying to get to come to your event? You know, like if you want something competitive or if you want something casual, do you how do you target to get the audience you want, right? So let's say you have a community of like a hundred people, right? Too big, too small, whatever. You have a hundred people, right? And like, you know, fifty percent of them are competitive and they try really hard. Their emphasis is on, you know, performing well and winning games, right? And the other fifty, their thing is more about, you know, just rolling dice, having fun, and they maybe, you know, some of them are less experienced. Some of them are just, you know, they're just relaxed about it, right? Whatever it is, right? They just have, like, this split where it's, like, you know, people are trying really hard and people are just kind of showing up, right? If you have the wrong mix of those people, no matter what, the event is not going to go over well for everyone. And a big enough event, it never will go well for everyone. We want to get as many people happy as you can, I feel, right? Hmm. So if you're running, like, a hardcore tournament, right? But someone that's coming to your event does not understand it's a hardcore t tournament. They're going to walk away and go, wow, you know, that Steve guy, he runs a really fucking shitty event. Everyone that goes there is a fucking tryhard. And, uh, oh, my God, like, this guy followed me for half an hour about line of sight. You know, like, on the other hand, like, you know, if you have a casual event, right, and someone comes in and they're fighting about line of sight because, you know, they want to win the event. And it's like, dude, it's a casual event. Calm down. Like, just, you know, do this. Um, you know, maybe a casual person with some, here's a big one, right? In a more competitive environment, calling over a judge is not a character judgment of your opponent. It's a, hey, this is unclear. We want a third party to come in and just settle this so that you don't have to argue about it, right? Because, you know, we're on a clock, you know, we have so much time to finish our game. You just want it to go as smoothly as possible, right? In a competitive scenes, you call over a judge to check a line of sight check a range, check is the terrain properly placed, am I interpreting this rule right, yeah? In a more casual setting, calling over a judge, it, it feels different, you know, it's like, you know, I'm not trusting your judgment of this, you know, like, I don't think you're here to, you know, share the experience, so. The, understanding who is at an event and who you're trying to get at the event, it makes a difference in the takeaway from it. Like this weekend, um, Balfour Salvation Team Tournament, I called over a judge, I think, every single game at least once. Just like, hey, I just want to make sure I'm saying this interaction correctly. Can I do this or can I not do this? I think I can't. 
but, you know, I just want to make sure for a fact that I can't do this, or, you know, just to check, you know, is this terrain feature line of sight blocking or not? Like, things like that. Like, it's it's why there's, you know, three, four, five judges at events that size, you know? It's not because they're expecting someone to be a dick that bends the rules. It's to just resolve those kinds of disputes like that. And, you know, as long as you understand that that's the culture of the event, then you're not going to feel put out by someone calling over a judge. Now, that being said, I will say that that's why when I do narrative events at any level, at any stage, I am always bouncing between tables to proactively ask people how things are going, to check on things, because then it's not your opponent who's calling over the judge. It's the judge coming over and being like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I like that. Very true. That's also why when I, I love organizing events because it bounces around and interact with everyone rather than being tied down to a table. So yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, then we have the when. Like I was talking about for my Titanicus tournament, um, the when can make a big difference, especially if you change the when. Um, so you need to make sure what the other events that are happening in your region at that same time, right? Like if you're like an hour away from Adepticon, running something on the same weekend, odds are you're going to lose a lot of people to Adepticon, and your turnout is not what you would initially expect just from your usual, you know, your typical events. Um, you also have to consider, you know, holidays that around that time. Like, you know, will people be going on vacations? Will they be with their families? Things like that. And what other events you've run or, you know, the community's run recently. You know, if there's four weekends in a row where someone wants to go to all the events but they don't have, you know, the ability to dedicate four separate weekends to going to your events. Like, you're going to be like, listen, I got to pick and choose. I can't do everything. So you don't want to oversaturate people either. So when makes a difference. And lastly, the how. How will you attract people to your event? How are you going to secure the necessary resources like terrain, prizing, a location to host it? How are you going to, you know, incentivize people to meet whatever metrics you're trying to get, whether that's, you know, um, how technical they play, how painted they are, like, how do you, just how. It's kind of cheating leaving it so open-ended, I feel, but. It, they're important it, questions it, to ask oh. yourself if you're going to run something, yeah. rather, because it's, it, it, it and, and this is something I don't know. We've gotten into a bit, but I think it's something especially to consider is, you know, you're thinking about running an event or you want to run one of these things. If you don't have good answers to the very basic questions, you probably shouldn't be running something. Like you, you don't have enough of it put together because the last thing you want to do, especially if you're running out of a game store, especially if this is like maybe one of the earlier events of that or your first inaugural event is you don't want it to go poorly. And maybe not getting a lot of people. That might not be poorly. That kind of depends on the um, the store. They might be fine if, like, you only get a couple people. Like, that's just how it goes sometimes. But if it actually runs where, like, people don't enjoy themselves, you're you're not going to be running anything there again. So, Absolutely. I've actually been watching that kind of blow up in central New York. There was a uh, a gentleman who confessed at some point to sabotaging his events by throwing them together at the last minute what um not doing prize support not telling people about things specifically to make it just really a, a bad experience for folks because he didn't like the store he was running for oh my god and, like it's been so <laughs> much wow 
it has been so much drama, and I'm so glad I am just far enough away from it that I, I know a couple of people that were not involved in any of this, and I've been hearing the feedback through, like, their Discord servers and so on. It is terrifying. That is next level. Now, I'm a normally petty person. Um, like, <laughs> I, I, I pride myself in being a 14-year-old girl. Um... <laughs> Because I teach middle school. No, no. See, you guys are laughing, but I am. No, I'm I, laughing because you're a 14 year old girl. I understood that. Yeah, no, exactly. I no, I am reference. a petty little shit. I, like I will go out of my way to 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 get someone who has hurt me or mine. But that is like shit. <laughs> that's that's next level petty. I've never heard of that before. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. That is insanity. Want yeah, all no. to burn it down. Imagine just you know just not running an event instead right like Like, oh sorry my schedule i can't run anything for the next three years you'll have to find someone else like it's it's active sabotage i can't do this like that's wow and the point absolutely like you could be like you know this is you know this is a sean event oh okay cool versus you know this is a toy Wiz event this is a maplewood event right so like I get how that could be a thing someone decides to do, but at the same time, like, wow, that's. I mean, listen, is it a dick? Mo- like, I, it's a dick move, but I have to appreciate the ingenuity on that one. That's that's like Cold War level sabotage, right you, there. You, you do not have to appreciate the ingenuity on. No. I'm going to burn it all to the ground. No, because and honestly, like, it's ruined several people's reputation. Oh, then never mind. It, it's destroyed. Um, a decent chunk of gaming community out there. There's a there's a lot of bad feelings. Like, oh shit! I I really feel for everybody involved in it, and I don't know enough details to give you anything solid. Unfortunately, because yeah. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Of course, of course, no. Oh, yeah, you know, like, but but just know that Central New York has not been okay since like January. And it is wow. it is rough. Um, so I'm I'm glad we're over here with people who have normal level of pettiness, like flipping off the guy that cut them off. So Jersey State Bird oh, is the middle finger. Flipping someone off, <laughs> cutting you off, is actually a very mild response. I feel right, like, right. For our area, normally it's one of us is going to the hospital, and I don't intend on it being me. That's New York City. Yeah, the real New York. And you hey, you want that. we have mountains and trees that grow more than ten feet tall in real New York. I can't hear you from all the way in upstate New York. Can can you actually cut someone off in New York City? Wouldn't the traffic actually have can. to move in order for you to cut someone off? <laughs> I think I think it's just called manslaughter because you're gonna hit the curb. <laughs> oh man. Alright. Um I think the next thing we had listed was some examples of good events that you've run and some examples of unsuccessful events. So I know Dan at least wrote something down. Yeah. So no, this was real quick. Um, I think one of the more successful events I've ever run were, were the actual um, uh, Firestorm Armada events. I think one of my favorite events that I've actually ever run was a Firestorm Armada event. It was a, the first ever tournament I ever ran. Um, I had no idea I run a tournament. I was never a TO. But I did it for Firestorm Armada because I was a vanguard and I love the game. And we had 20 people show up. 
we had we had ten tables. Um, I don't know how the hell we did that in Maplewood. Uh, we set up. We had to use the painting table as a as a play table. Um, but we set up fucking ten tables of, of space terrain, mm-hmm. a planetary terrain. I know Dave printed some stuff. I still have your stuff, dude. By the yeah, way, yeah, yeah, the terrain that I made, yeah, yeah. Like we set it up, and it was a fun day. Mm-hmm. Not a single. Per- I mean, there was one salty person, but he's known to be salty. I'm not gonna say the name, but if I say the name, you would know exactly who it is. All right, type it into the Discord. Names work. Chance. Hold on, no, no, here. I'll do this just just so it's live. Okay, on the on the there's the name. Okay. Well now I gotta go figure out which one you put it in. Titanicus. Monster. Yeah, we have an episode discussion. Titanicus you put it there. is just right. okay. Well remember yeah. he couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't find yeah, he can find it now. Um I don't remember him being salty, but if you say so. I, I yeah, but no, that was a bit he, ago, he, so I don't remember all the details. But I believe exactly. you. That I was 100% the only, believe you. Yeah, that was the only one. But honestly, most people that were having fun, we were all laughing. It was a great time. We had prize support. We had painting support. Um, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was a really successful thing. Um, and I felt real great about running it. Um, but then sometimes you can't take stuff personal because then you run shit events. So I think one of my shittiest events, and I think Steve came to this one, actually, yeah. was the Titanicus event in Maplewood where I advertised it. I, it said 16 people were coming. Um, but it ended up only being like four people that came. Uh, and I even set up the, t- I set up like eight tables worth of terrain. I labeled terrain. I had the narrative all ready to go. Um, but really only four people showed up and I was like, oh, okay. I guess it's just us four. Just have some I games. I got out of a third round of games. I went all the way down, all the way down to Maplewood to play three games. Only got two. Yep. Yep. Jokes on Dan. I had an entire league. Of Titanicus. <laughs> no, but it just felt bad. Like, I, I felt really shitty about it. Because hmm. it's like, you don't want that. You don't want the failure to happen because, you know, you want people to have a good time. And if people don't show up, that's beyond your control. You know what I mean? They they pressed, they're going on Facebook. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like they pressed maybe. They pressed, that's, they're going on Facebook. That's and sometimes... the worst metric, though, because it's just like, yeah, I pressed the button. That's why exactly. of, that's like the Jersey Heresy guys, you know, they make you pay up front. Like, you know, you're paying for this event. Yep, Sean makes it. You know, you're paid. And I'm sorry, unless, you know, unless there's an, an extenuating circumstance, like you paid, you don't get a refund, you give up your spot. But yeah, yeah. you and, have that you commitment know, of here's my 20, 30, whatever dollars. And there, there are a lot of really valid to back out where I would be happy to toss somebody a refund. But, you know, we had one guy back out of ZM and, you know, before I could even consider offering it because it was several weeks ahead of time, we have interest to fill the spot. Um, He just said, no, keep it for prize support. Like, have a nice life. Uh, It was really cool. Top tops off right there. That's some good shit right there. So um, now on that note of uh, bad events, like the one thing that ruins an event for me, whether it is as a player or an organizer, is uh, deliberate cheating. Oh yeah. And back in the heady days of fourth edition, we had a guy that played uh, orcs, tyranids, and dark angels, and at uh, one event he got called out for initiative four orcs. 
which I don't think have ever been a thing. No. Never. Um, I can actually tell you that. So he switched to his Tyranids uh, for the next several months, and at one event, he he brought in a list, and I don't remember if you guys, or I don't know, excuse me, if you guys remember Army Builder by uh, Lone Wolf Development. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember that. You can make your own custom uh, right. units very easily in there. Well, so let me guess. He didn't just create custom units. He went into the Tyranid army list and zeroed out the cost of every single biomorph. Oh, so he had a validated list. Points. At a 2,000 point tournament? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so he had okay. a validated list with an EO approval stamp on it. And the only reason he got caught is the head event organizer. I was just helping out on it. The actual guy in charge. His girlfriend was there. She played Tyranids. She put her army across from him, and she looked at it and she said, that's at least 2,400 points. Over half the units in their armies were the same. She knew exactly what she was looking at. He called her boyfriend over. She sat down with the list, and she said he didn't pay for a single death spitter. Not a single wing. Nothing. That's some brazen shit right there. To actually go oh, yeah. in and alter the files. Hold on. Like malicious Re intent. No, 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 Dave, Dave, Dave. Yeah. We have our own version of that story. Not okay. the altering the files, but that level of cheating. Okay, I'm listening. No, no, I'm, we're not mentioning names. Okay, but then don't mention a name. He didn't either. Yeah, okay, no, like the the fuck the, the when we were having oh, I don't think Sean knows this story. I know Steve does. I'm not so sure we were I having this story. Keep going. Yeah, you oh yeah, you do. Right. So we were having our team tournament in Maplewood. And this was I'm sorry, not even a team tournament. Oh, I no, apologize. It was a um Why? it's not Double. called a team tournament. What the fuck is it called? Double. Um doubles tournament. Thank you. It was a doubles tournament. And I haven't I love doubles tournaments, right? They're great. So I paired up with a good opponent, we paired so we had this one kid um, who brought in a fully painted Black Templar army. Um, and uh, he's a good guy. Um, kind of socially awkward, but a good guy overall. And he gets paired with... Uh, let's, let's call him TFG. He gets paired with TFG. TFG is playing a 1,000-port Harlequin army. Okay, and by the way, for those of you who don't, are listening at home, this is back when Harlequins, um, not Harlequins, sorry, um, oh my god, what are they called? Um, Normal Eldar? Yunari, 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 when characters could block characters, and Yunari, and if someone died or took a wound, they can move forward, right? So you had a thousand points of just characters. However, it wasn't a thousand points, because he looked at his, uh, you know, buddy's list, and he goes, you're not bringing that. He goes, what do you mean? You're not, I'm not bringing that. And he goes, you're bringing this. And he pulls out the other half of his Yanari list. Okay, and now then, I know what you're talking about. Yep. And so he forced his, his partner to play the second half of this Yanari list. To then, basically, his partner was, like, rolling a little bad sometimes. He basically took the dice away from his partner and said he wasn't allowed to roll the dice anymore. Because uh, he, he I'm taking permission away from you to roll the dice, right? Now this is on top like of like he even has the permission to give. 
Yeah, well, it gets... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it gets worse, Sean. Um, during, uh, I think, second or third round, um, he goes finally back to his opponent, his, his buddy, and he goes, all right, I'm allowing you to roll this dice now. And then on top of it, the person, the TFG person, is known to also just... I, should, I wouldn't say cheat, but I, I think cheat. the word... <laughs> His big thing is misremembering a lot of things, which is cheating. Conveniently, conveniently misremembering. And also wonderfully taking smoke breaks in the middle of your tournament game during your turn so that you time out, but he doesn't. So, I mean, but we handled him quite well. I don't know how you handled Mr. Cheater in, uh, in your story, uh, Sean, but we handled our cheater pretty well. Well, he's banned. But, you know, that absolutely ruins an event. That absolutely 1,000% ruins. Actually, no, that's not even how we handle him. If, if, I hope he doesn't mind me using his name. I'll use this one. John. John just implemented a, a, a clock during the tournament. And he goes, all right, I'm going to have a smoke break. And John goes, all right. And he tries to turn off his time. And he goes, what are you doing? This is on your time. Go take your smoke break. And so he forced the, the tournament clock to be on this dude's smoke break. He ran out of time. He uh, like By like... John had like 45 minutes left to his zero and he goes, well, you know, that's not fair. And he goes, well, don't take a smoke break during my turn. If you take a smoke break during my turn, I still get to do my turn. You just don't get. To well, no, it's you, you take the clock and you put it on their clock on, on their time. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know what? Okay. Take your smoke break. Click. I'll just wait for you to come back. Yep. Because when you show up to an event, you have only so much time to play through your round. At first, I was like, I don't really like clocks. I have a lot of models in my army. Blah, blah. But then I actually tried a game on a clock. I'm like, oh, I'm only like 15 minutes off from actually finishing a game. All I got to do is know my shit a little better. You know, figure out you know, how I want to do my turn a little faster. And it's not that bad. I'm going to throw out there, if you want to run Apocalypse Events... You have to have a clock. Oh, most oh, yeah. definitely. You'll spend, yes. you'll spend four hours on deployment for a clock. <laughs> no, Wait. no. You you set it up. You get the dice rolls off. And then based on the size of the event, they have X number of minutes, never more than an hour, to fully deploy. And if you can't get it on there, it's in reserves. It'll come on later. And then you want to, like... Do an hour and 15 minutes for the first turn because it's a 15,000 point game. That's fine. But each turn after that gets a little shorter. And that's just Wait, how it be. You prioritize. People, people actually deploy on the table more than like. Oh, shut up, custodian. <laughs> <laughs> well, well mean, there's another know, thing. I played a game against Dan and he painted like four whole models while I was just pulling my troops out to deploy them. I've done that was before. It four or was it more? I mean, if you spray paint and dip, that's not really the same. No, lot. no, no. I legit, uh, for, I don't think Sean, I legit painted three Caladius tanks so yeah, with transfers while he was deployed. To be fair, I had a really small that? deployment zone to fit, what, four or five thousand points of Iron Warriors infantry? Yeah. I'm like, oh god, I'm running out of physical space. <laughs> like, uh, I guess I can stand on top of this crate with my missile launcher squad. Oh god, they're going to get shot off the table turn one. They didn't. They blew up a Telemon. They did. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. They immobilized one. Oh, they immobilized it. That's right. Oh, fucking Christ. God damn it. 
But yeah, no, he. I literally paid it three takes while he was deploying. It was quite a. Sean got to. Uh, Steve got to experience the, the true quick paint, that I tend like, to do sometimes. Like in the hair in heresy novels, they put this emphasis on you know transhuman dread. Like a space marine is this massive thing; it should not move as fast as it does, right? Like it just freaks you out, right? That's Dan painting, dude. I get transhuman dread watching Dan paint. Just bam, 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 painted. Wait, what? Ow. It's not like he's just dipping and flicking; like he's actually like painting. It's just that fast, and fair, it's solid it's tabletop I, standard. It's it's because I've painted so many custodies at this point that like I've memorized where shit goes. But the tanks were just like I, I don't know how I did it. I I, don't, I get into I go into like a trance state. That's why I painted. How do you think I fucking painted fifty goddamn blood letters? Right? I I put fifty out on the table, and in four days they're done. Because it's just like I sit there in a trance state and I'm like, all right, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, this goes. It's weird. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I'll talk about successful, unsuccessful real fast. Um, so successful events. There's two events. that Well, I guess you could call it three. Um, so probably my, uh, my favorite, most successful event would be the first Battle for the Elevator event. That had yes. a lot of people show up for it. Everyone had an it it was an on the fly like it was not on the fly but like I had ideas it was like hey guess what elevator trunks falling down watch out like it didn't play out exactly how I thought it it would but like it was great nonetheless there were some things I wish I could have done better with it and for the second version I did improve those things unfortunately I think the second go around had less turnout I'm trying to remember. But I think the first one like really captured it the best. Um, the Tannigus Elevator Battle event, probably my fa- favorite event. My other, th- obviously, the campaign was a thing that I would consider a success. But the thing that I did that was like really great um, was um, Base Marine Draft, right? So I'm chilling um, after hours at Toys one day, and the guy's like, "Huh, could you do a forty k draft?" Like this guy does magic, right? And we're all trying to be like, you know, how to get 40k going again post pandemic. Um, no, because you gotta build and paint. I think sometimes, like, yeah, 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 good point, good point. And like a month later, I'm like, oh my god, I got it, I got it. You do a draft for bits and you build your own custom character. I have a ton of, you know, loyalists and chaos space marine bits, mix them all up in baggies to, you know, blind open packs, right? So, you got a bit. You pass the, the little bowl of bits to the left, and you, you, you do that. And then you get your second bag, you open it, and you pass it to the right. Just magic draft, right? And then you build your space marine, paint them, come back in two weeks with them, and we're going to have like a battle royale or, you know, a little um, ladder tournament and figure out who's got, you know, the best result from it. And the guy's like, it's genius. I love it. So we run this event, and it was a ton of fun. Um, something I'd love to do again. Unfortunately, I burnt through a lot of my cool bits the first time around, and I don't feel like buying boxes just to get, like, one shoulder pad. But definitely something I'd like to do again once I find more cool 3D-printed bits to play with. And then, you know, unsuccessful events. Um, I've had a few 40k tournaments that didn't really fire, because, like, you know, four people show up, it's like, all right, well, we all played, brother, I guess. And, uh, yeah, that'll be that. Titanicus event, we had a good time. Um, you know, but I would not call it the event as an event a success. You know, even when it doesn't turn out, you know, you gotta be like, okay, you know, these guys, they came here, 
I'm going to give them something at least. That's why I always make sure, even if I don't intend on playing that day, I have an army with me. So no one's stuck sitting around doing nothing. I always mean, make sure you maintain a good atmosphere. Even if it, even if your event is going completely down, make sure the people that show up can walk away going, okay, I got something for my time. Because, you know, sometimes dudes will travel an hour to play games. Sometimes they'll travel two hours to play games. Like, And you yeah. got to respect it. All right, we feel that probably um, ends this part of the discussion we wanted to have for tonight. So uh, any sort of closing thoughts, gentlemen, on trying to trying to run a good event? I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, just have fun with it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just supposed to be your event, you know? If you're not, not going to have fun running the event, you're going to be there grumbling. It's not something you wanted to do. Then why do it in the first place? You know, you're the, yes, you're there to entertain other people and kind of bring other people in, but it's also, you know, maybe it kind of sounds stupid, but you're kind of like a vampire sucking off of other people's happiness. You know, enjoy their happiness because their happiness is kind of, you know, your happiness. A little, uh, what, what we do in the shadows reference. I like that. Yes. Oh my God! Someone got it. Of course, I got I've been that. Watching that. Yeah. Oh, so I've been watching it recently. An and, yeah. Exactly. I did stage crew in high school, so like I, I totally get it. It's like you know, there's the actor up at the front, but like the applause, it's you know, you made the show happen, so you know, you know, you get satisfaction just but knowing that it worked. When you have joy from someone else having joy, yeah. Well, that's oh, robots or whatever you. Damn it! Don't worry, you're back. You're back. You're back. Yeah, no, Give a shot. It's so weird. You go, you come back at like the one word. Make sure you don't burn yourself out. Yes. Yeah, there we go. And that, in my mind, that also includes you know asking for help. We mentioned earlier, you know, train. You want to have great train and all of that, because at least for the games that we're talking about, you need it. There's nothing wrong with, especially if it's a store, they have train. If you have some of your own, there's nothing wrong with saying to some of the people ahead of time, we've done this before, like, hey, we want to have a train day. You know, the, you know, the store is going to, you know, maybe help out getting some of the items or maybe different players, whatever, whatever it may be. But we're all going to get together and put train together because we want to be able to run and have good and fun events. You know, oh, lean on I your community. So much. Yeah. For the campaign, like I think I gave equal, if not greater, points for time spent working on terrain for the club, as you know, for making your own titans ready. And both of those I made more important than the actual games, like winning the game. So playing a game got you two points. Being painted got you a point. Winning was just another extra point you got. So like you know, playing and painting is worth just as much as playing and winning so you know you might as well get it painted right yeah. and then you know terrain you know you spend you know two hours on terrain well there you go have some points um and like when i ran the event um and dan brought oh, what was it three four tables worth of titanicus terrain Cause like you know like <laughs> drop zone commander stuff actual titanicus stuff like all kinds of terrain he brought i'm like hey man we're doing a bid raffle system for the prizing Here's some extra tickets. Thank you for helping out with the terrain. Since you're not in part of the overall league and everyone else earned extra tickets for you know, league stuff, here's some extras for helping sure this event actually was able to happen. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have just entry fees too. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, work with the stores if you're doing out of store, and work with the community members you know that are attending. But all right, I think that'll do it for us tonight. So I will. And as always, we want to thank you for listening. Um, next week, we should be returning with our normal every other week, Titanicus, where we are now up to the last set of the f- last four legios for the Traders book. So our hope is to be able to talk- go through that. Um, as always, then, since I did my sort of plugs at the beginning of the show, um, has some good hobbying and some great gaming.